Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today you see a single lit candle on the table before you. This large white candle represents the presence of Christ in our midst. Today is All Saints Sunday. Since the early days of the church, a solemn day has been set aside to remember those Christian brothers and sisters who have gone on before us and now rest in their labors, awaiting the great resurrection of all members of Christ's body. Here in this community, we'll today remember those saints that were joined to this community in some way, those saints we once sat beside and fellowshiped with, those saints that taught us of the love of Christ. I'll now read the names of those saints that have transferred to the Church of Heaven in the last year. When I say their name, I ask that a family member or friends come forward to light one of the tall candles on the table before you, remembering that their life still burns with Christ. And later in the service, as we share in Holy Communion, you will all have the opportunity to, to light one of the other candles for some other saint, perhaps not of this community, but of the body of Christ who has gone on before us. Reading the names now. Harold Jack Ney. Robert Mike Marshall. Brenda K. Marks.
These are the official members of the church who have gone on to heaven. But there are other people who are close to some of us who have gone on also. David Walker. John Elliott the second. June Greenwald. Audie Craft. Audie was neighbor of Linda Rhodes, who can't be here today because she has COVID. Have we missed anyone? Are there any others? Let us pray. As I say, later with communion, if there's someone that you want to light a candle for, there's plenty of candles. Heavenly Father, we bless your holy name, O God, for all your servants who, are having finished their course, now rest from their labors. Give us grace to follow the example of their steadfastness and their faithfulness to your honor and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, it's now been almost a month since many people in Israel woke up to the sound of gunfire. Soon, many would be dead. That morning at dawn, hundreds of fighters from Hamas broke through the wall that separated them from Israel, and they began to torture and kidnap and kill anyone they saw. Hamas, the group that's ruled the Gaza Strip since 2005, they took over in an election, but they've never held an election since. Their fighters killed everyone they saw, man or woman, adult or child, 40-year-olds and 80-year-olds, it was enough for them that they knew that almost everyone who lived in the area they attacked were Jewish. And Hamas is founded on the principle that Israel must be destroyed. And they interpret that as saying that all Jews must die. 
Just as Hitler had a final solution to the presence of Jews in Germany and the terrorists, the territories that his army over, armies overran during World War II, Hamas also believes that Jews must die. Hamas was not the first group to believe this, and Hitler was not the first. Throughout the last 2,000 years, one group or another has tried to wipe out the Jews in one country or another. In the 1800s, Jews were forced out of many areas in Russia. In 1492, after Ferdinand and Isabella had defeated the last stronghold of Muslims in Spain, they borrowed money from a group of Jewish merchants to fund Columbus's trip to the New World and then gave all Jews six months to convert to Christianity or leave Spain. In the 1300s, as the Black Death stalked over Europe, carried by fleas on rats, many Jews were killed, accused of poisoning wells. Before that, in many countries, Jews were not allowed to work in any profession except as traders and moneylenders. And this all goes back to the year 135, when after a, a final revolt against Roman rule, the Jews were kicked out of Jerusalem by the Romans, only allowed to return one day a year. Even before that, many of the persecutions that Christians remember as against us were actually persecutions declared against Jews. Christians, you see, in those de early days were considered by the Romans to be just another type of Jew. And those persecutions began with the Jewish-Roman War that ended with the destruction of the Temple of God in Jerusalem in August of the year 70. Something foreseen and predicted by Jesus. By Jesus 40 years earlier as he and his disciples sat on the Mount of Olives, watching the temple glisten in the bright sunshine during the days before Jesus' arrest and execution. But you know, we should not fear persecutions. For Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount prepared us for persecutions of Jews and of Christians. For Jesus was talking to a mixed audience that day when he spoke. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he went on for a while, and then he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus said, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Why have the Jews always been persecuted so much? There are secular reasons. People claiming falsely that Christian infants were sacrificed during Jewish Passover meals. The common persecution of anybody who speaks a different language, who has different customs, men who were wealthy, men who were different, men who kept to themselves. These were all ordinary grounds for persecution. But the real reason that the Jews have been persecuted is because they were chosen by God to bear witness to God in the world against all other gods and idols and self-worship that is common in the world. And Christians have also been persecuted and will be persecuted because we know and speak of God in Christ. But all those who are persecuted because of righteousness 
will have the kingdom of heaven. Over the centuries, while Christians have grown from that tiny band of a dozen followers of Jesus to about 120 followers on the morning of Pentecost, over 3,000 Christians that afternoon, to 100 million Christians less than 200 years later, and now to over 3 billion Christians, during all that time, that tremendous growth, the number of Jews has not changed much. In the world at the time of Jesus, there were about 12 million Jews, half in Israel and half scattered throughout the world, mainly in the Roman Empire. By 1930, there were about 16 million Jews in the world, mostly in Europe. After Hitler killed about a third of them, most moved to Israel and America. And today, about 7 million Jews live in Israel. About 7.5 million live in America, mostly in the Northeast, with over a million and a half living in New York City alone. And another couple million live in other countries, giving a total of a little over 16 million Jews worldwide. In 2,000 years, the total number of Jews has increased by only about a third. What happened? Persecution and conversion. Over the centuries, millions of Jews have become Christians, and millions of Jews have also died because they remain faithful to their faith. The Israel-Palestinian issue is much more recent. It dates back to 1948, when after the United Nations helped many Jews move to Israel and the land was partitioned into Israel and Arab lands, there was an attack upon the Jews by the Arabs. Israel successfully defended their homes in a brief war, and many Arabs were removed from their homes. In 1967, an attempted surprise attack by Arab countries was foiled, and in the Six-Day War, Israel took over Gaza, which is the ancient home of the Philistines, and the West Bank, which Bible scholars know as Judea and Samaria, as well as the city of Jerusalem. Many of the Arabs who lived in Palestine left the area completely and many settled in Gaza and the West Bank. And since the early 2000s, Israel has generally left the West Bank and Gaza alone, run by their own governments. Israel has signed trade and commerce agreements with many of the Arab countries recently, and was negotiating with Saudi Arabia, the most powerful. Everyone thought that Hamas had decided to govern Gaza peacefully until October 7th, when Hamas decided to try to disrupt those negotiations with Saudi Arabia. So what does this mean for us? There's two aspects. There's the global politics and there's personal. In global politics, since we generally support Israel with weapons and diplomacy, Iran and Russia and even China have an interest in expanding the war to engulf the Middle East, stretching our military and our ability to supply weapons very, very far. Iran has long been a declared enemy of Israel. Russia and China have claimed neutrality, but this week, Russia committed to supporting Hamas and opposing Israel. Russia would like to see this war get very big, since that will reduce our ability to help Ukraine. China would prefer to see us focus on the Middle East instead of helping prepare Taiwan to stand up against China. Even Turkey has de threatened to declare war upon Israel and the persecution of Jews is breaking out once again around the world. It's frightening for us in America, especially as we watch the evening news, for we don't know what's going to happen, do we? How will our politicians react? How will other leaders in the world react? That's far beyond our ability to make a difference. 
We don't have any control over that. Since the end of World War II, though, the leaders of the world have managed to keep the world from being destroyed. And you know, it always seems to us that the presidents and world leaders of the past were smarter and wiser than the leaders we have at any moment of crisis until the next crisis, a decade later, when we look back and wish we had those previous leaders in charge, those leaders we thought at the time were so foolish and bumbling. The good news is that God is in charge, and the leaders only appear to be in charge. But it's possible that the huge final war that many interpret as predicted in Revelation will finally arrive, ending with a battle on the plain beside the mound of Megiddo, south of Haifa in Israel in the Jezreel Valley. You will hear many people speaking of Armageddon and use it to stir up fear so you will watch the news. And Armageddon seems so scary. But you know, on a personal basis, things are not so scary if we are Christians. As Christian believers, we must keep things in a proper eternal perspective. If you will imagine that the length of time since Jesus is a line hooked up there to the very top of this peak here and dropping down to the floor, that's about 20 feet. The last 30 years is about the width of my hand. From the ceiling to the floor is the time since Jesus. Two or three of those hands is the measure of a person's life on this planet, 60 or 90 years for most people. Yet our eternal life with God begins now, right up here, and runs all the way deeper than the deepest ocean, lower than the lowest mine shaft, with every mile representing a half million years. Our eternal life with God goes even through the earth for 8,000 miles, which is like 4 billion years and beyond. And I want you to imagine standing a mile or so away down near the interstate and looking back to see the width of my hand. That's how short our natural lives are. It's like a period printed on a sheet of paper. It is barely perceptible in the scheme of things. We've each lost loved ones. No one in this church or listening on the radio has avoided losing someone who has passed on. You may have lost someone in the last year, or you may have lost someone a couple years ago, or you may have lost someone decades ago. Spouses and children, parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors. Since we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, people have died. In Israel and in Gaza, many people have died in the last month. Most were innocent, some were not. Some people, you know, die young. Some live to a very old age. Some die quickly and others die slowly. But everyone dies. And despite what we may think without really thinking, life always seems long to a young person and short to those who have lived many years. But our life on this earth is terribly, terribly short compared to our eternal life. And so we grieve when we lose a loved one. We often cry and then we look around embarrassed. But we should remember that when Jesus came to his friend Lazarus' tomb, despite knowing that Jesus would bring him back to life in a couple of minutes, Jesus wept. 
Can you imagine the grief of God in Christ to have seen all the death and destruction and horrors that God's children have inflicted on each other? For death was not in the original plan. Death entered the world when Adam and Eve broke the world. Jesus came to defeat death, and he did defeat death with his resurrection. But until that victory is completed at the end of time, tears are the proper response. Our Lord wept at the tomb of his friend. And never be embarrassed when you're imitating Jesus. Soon enough, we'll all be gathered with Jesus. If Armageddon is soon to be upon us, it's just a different way to end this life. But our life will end either way. And the great and wonderful good news is that As the Apostle John wrote, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And later on, as John got to be a very old man in his 90s, John was given a vision of the future by God. Hear what John tells us. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes, and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then one of the elders asked me, John said, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? And I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, the great persecution. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, various religions around the world have offered ultimate answers. Many people in America have said that earning money gives the ultimate answer because you can buy any pleasure, any amount of stuff, and so you'll be happy. But that happiness turns out to be a fool's errand. It turns out to be always a search for more money and more pleasures, for earthly pleasures grow dull and boring over time. Islam promises an afterlife of pleasure for men who who die in battle, and perhaps a good afterlife for those whom their God likes enough. Hinduism promises a better life reborn if you're kind and good, and promises that you'll come back as a bug if you're not good. Buddhism identifies that all life is suffering, and promises that if you could stop wanting anything, you'll achieve nirvana which, when you study it closely, means literally nothingness. Nirvana is the privilege, you see, of not existing, 
which isn't so appealing to me, it may not be to you either. In this life, tears happen. Grief is the pain we pay for loving others. Pain is the price we pay for caring for others and being cared for in this world. And so we cry. But Christianity promises that for those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, God walking upon this earth, and choose to follow Him, we will reach a place where we will see our Creator and live in a place of peace. We will never hunger, we will never thirst, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and we will live in this place of peace forever and ever. Remember your loved ones. Celebrate that they're with Jesus. And celebrate with me the great sacrifice that Jesus made so long ago on the cross. Soon enough, we'll be with them. And then the real, celebrate, the real celebration will begin. Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.